You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today, if you're just joining us, if you haven't been with us, we started a new teaching series. And today we're in part number two. We're talking about, or the the topic of our teaching series is more than a book. And we're talking about how God's word, the Bible, is more than just a book to to people, random people. May they think that, they may think it's just an old book that's, you know, was written by a bunch of people and it's kind of outdated. It's got old concepts, but can I tell you, it's much more than just a book. And last week we talked about how um, our Bible is, uh, it's our bread. It's our spiritual bread. It's our spiritual nourishment for us. It's what sustains us through this life. And without it, uh, we are lost. We talked about how we are uh, hangry. Anybody get hangry in real life, right? Physically hangry. We talked about how when you don't eat your spiritual bread, you get spiritually hangry. And there's a lot of people walking around spiritually hangry. We're talking about how it's so much more than just a book. The Bible, and remember this, it says, it talks about itself. It says this, the Bible is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. Let me say that again. It's a spiritual book written by a spiritual being, God, to <laughs> spiritual beings, us. And with that in mind, can I put, just encourage you today that um, don't be upset or surprised when non-believers non-believer, argue the validity of this book. Because his word says in here, it says that these things cannot be understood in the natural mind, but they must be received or discerned spiritually. Meaning God wants to speak to you spirit to spirit on the deepest part of who you are. He wants to communicate to you directly. But there's a lot of people who don't have access to God's spirit like we do. And so when they hear things, they can't even understand it. And they they balk at it or they come back or they want to argue about it. Can I tell you, don't be surprised because even in here it says they can't understand it until they give their life to Jesus. And then they have some spiritual insight. And then have you ever been in a season of life where this was so confusing You tried to be a good Christian. You tried to read, and man, I just can't get it. I I don't know what's going on here, right? I'm reading all these names. I can't even pronounce the names. You know, I'm reading in Romans, and it's like one long run-on sentence. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What is going on here? But then you came into a, a season of spiritual enlightenment, if you will, where Something changed, and as you read God's word, it's like, the, it's like it came alive. It's like it jumped off the page. Have you ever had that moment before? If you haven't, you can have that moment where it comes alive to you, and you see something, even a story that you've read a million times, but you see it in a new light. That's what we're talking about today is that there, God's word is so much more than a book. It is living, and it's active, and it's ready to go to work in our lives. Last week, we talked about bread, and even physically, right? How long can we go without eating food naturally? Well, scientists will tell you 40 to 80 days, roughly, without any food. That's a long time, right? But um, today we're talking about how this is more than a book. It's our water. It's our water. And with that, even physically, how long can we go without water, any water? Seven to 21 days, maybe. If like, if some, there's a little bit of debate on that, but maybe. That's physically. But the Bible is our bread and it's our water spiritually. So how long can I go without it is the question. The truth is we have a lot of malnourished Christians walking around in 2022. A lot of malnourished Christians are walking around. If you could see their, their life spiritually, if you could see the inner person in them spiritually, they may be alive, 
but they're barely alive. They may be alive, but they are extremely weak. They may be alive, but they are hangry. They may be alive, but they're full of fear. Why? Because they're malnourished. If we could get back to the basics of falling in love with this and realizing how this will change our lives. It's not hard, it's not difficult, but if we would commit to this, our lives, our world would look drastically different. Today I have two points for you and I'm gonna make it quick. The first one is this. I'm talking about two types of water. The first one is a negative one, which is flood water. If you're taking notes, you can fill in the blank. Point number one is this, flood water. You may be sitting there saying, Pastor Dan, flood water is one word. I know, okay, but for fill in the blank purposes, I, I broke it up, all right? So uh, don't, be talk, don't pull me aside after service and tell me that we misspelled something, all right? So uh, flood water is the first one we're talking about, flood water. We're going to start in the book of Revelation, okay? You know it's going to be good when we start in Revelation, all right? F- follow me here. Revelation 12, verse 9. Let me read this. So the, it says this. So the great dragon was cast out. Man, we're getting into it here. The great dragon, the, the serpent of old, remember that, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. This is obviously speaking of the devil or Satan, right? Obviously, it breaks it down. Who, who is Satan? He is the serpent. Not only in Genesis was he the serpent, but also in Revelation, it points back to him as the serpent. Look at this next verse. We're going to skip down to verse 15 in, in chapter 12. It says this, So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. All right, what are we talking about here, right? That's a good question. Let me break it down here. The serpent which is the devil, spewed water out of his mouth. What comes out of your mouth? It's words. Words. He spewed water or words out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. In this context, the woman is the church. The church. To carry her away by the flood. So here's what happens. Basically, Satan spews water, spews words out of his mouth to flood your life and to carry you away. That's what he wants to do. Floodwaters is what we're talking about. He steals, kills, destroys. And here we see a great example. What, is, what does he want to do to the church, which is, uh, in this, is compared to the woman. What does he want to do to the church, which if you're, if you're here, you're part of the church, right? If you call this place home, this is your church. What does he want to do to not just our church, but the church, is he wants to flood your life, flood the life of the church so much with his words that he carries you away farther from your heavenly father. Have you ever had a flood of words come against you? Let me put it like this. A few examples. You're not going to make it. God doesn't like you. Tithing doesn't work. God is punishing you for your sins. You'll never be healed. That prayer will never be answered. Ever had those thoughts? Ever felt like those were just rushing into your life? Like a flood water coming rushing in? Have you ever had crisis moments where you felt or thought those types of things and it just feels all of these thoughts and words are coming at you and it feels overwhelming? That's the flood. That's what we're talking about. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. It's not just a natural part of life. No, the enemy wants to drown you in his words. Now, it's going to get encouraging at the end of the message, okay? But I got to tell you this up front so you can understand the seriousness of words, what the enemy wants to do in our lives. He wants to flood us and carry us away. What's the saying, right? We just came out of this crazy last week with all kinds of flooding going on. Turn around, 
don't drown, right? That's what, that's, what, that's what they say, right? When you see the, don't think your truck's big enough to make it through. Our car's fine. It's, I can drive through this. No, don't. Talk to any first responder. Please turn around. Don't try to go across that bridge, that road, whatever, when it's being flooded. That's what we have to realize. We have to do that spiritually as well. When you feel that flood of words coming in, there's something that we have to do. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's look at another passage though. Psalm 93 Verses two through four says this, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods, look at this, have lifted up their voice. Once again, flood water compared to voice or words. Lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. But look at this, verse four. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. That's so good. The the flood will lift up its voice. The enemy will come into your life and try to flood your life with doubt, with distress, with fear, with whatever. But the Lord is mightier than the flood. Come on. Hey, amen, right? That's some good news, right? Otherwise, we're hopeless. Otherwise, guess what? The end of the message is the devil hates your guts. He's going to flood your life. Good luck out there. Fingers crossed. Hopefully he won't do that to you. Can I tell you, it's good to get a little bit excited about that we serve a God who is mightier than even the worst flood we may face. Come on, somebody. That's good news. Jesus spoke about floodwaters as well. This makes all of it begin to make sense here. Let's look at what Jesus said. Matthew 7, verse 24. It says, therefore, Jesus is talking. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended look at this the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock come on somebody but then verse 26 but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended here it is again the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and guess what great was its fall This is really basic math here. What he's saying is this, consuming the Bible plus obeying the Bible equals victory in the floodwaters. Here's the issue. A lot of people come, we talked about this last week. A lot of people come to church or hear a message or read the Bible even, but they don't ever do what the Bible says to do. Without action, there can be no victory. What did Jesus say? He said, when they, whoever listens or hears these sayings of mine, these words of mine, and does them, you can't just consume, you gotta do something. You can't just consume, you have to do something. You know, whenever I was in uh, high school, one of my coaches, he was a, a bodybuilder, he was our strength coach, and uh, he talked a lot of times about how a lot of guys get in this trap after high school, they go and they're used to consuming a lot of food for sports or consuming a lot of food for the gym, consuming a lot of food for, uh, you know, the activity that they're in. The problem is after high school, they're not in the sport anymore, but they still think I need to have this many carbs, this much protein. I need to have this many calories every day. And before you know it, they wake up in 10 years and they're extremely overweight and out of shape. And they're like, I don't know what happened. That's what happens spiritually. If I'm just consuming, I can get spiritually fat. And this is where the difference between religion and relationship. Because there's a lot of spiritually unhealthy people who have a lot of brain knowledge. They can quote scripture. They can tell you a lot of doctrine and theology. 
but their life doesn't match the book. Because of that, their life is still misery and defeat and heartache and over and over never finding the blessing of God. Why? Because of a lack of saying, Jesus, I receive your word and now I'm going to walk in your word. There is blessing in the obedience. So let's continue on here. Everybody doing okay? Flood water. The first thing is this. The enemy wants to flood your life. But can I give you the second warning with flood water is this. It's not just the enemy that wants to drown you. You can drown yourself. You can drown yourself. Let's look at it. Proverbs 18.4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. We got to watch what we're saying. How do I speak about myself? How do I speak about my spouse? How do I speak about my kids? How do I speak about my day? How do I speak about my life, my family? What am I saying? If I'm not careful, I will drown myself. Look at another one. Proverbs 6, 2 says this. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of what? Your mouth. Sometimes the greatest destruction that comes in our lives is simply because we let our mouth run rather than having some fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control to say, I'm not going to say that. Or rather than speaking death, I'm going to speak life, which is Proverbs 18, 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Does this mean we're just living in denial, right? I can just speak whatever I want and it's just going to show up someday. Like I'm going I'm to say I want $5 million in my bank account tomorrow morning. I'm just gonna, and eventually it'll happen. No, that's not what I'm saying. Here's, here's what this verse means, okay? God speaks life. The devil speaks death. However, you have the power to agree with one of them. God speaks life. The devil speaks death. You have the power to agree with one of them. So how do I do that? How do I agree with it? Here's what, who I speak in agreement with is who I give the power to to work in my life. Who, do I, who am I speaking in agreement with? doesn't mean I only quote scripture, but it does mean what I say aligns with this. But too many times we run around and we run our mouth and we run our mouth speaking death. And without realizing it, we are agreeing and giving power to death in our life simply because we're aligning our words with the words of our spiritual enemy. What I say matters. He says this at the end of the verse, what? Those who love it will eat its fruit. What you're speaking of, who you're agreeing with when you're speaking eventually you will eat its fruit. So the words of today are the reality of tomorrow. What do I need tomorrow that aligns with God's word? I will find it, I will speak it, I will declare it until I eat its fruit in the natural. Isn't that encouraging? It should be a good warning, but it should also be very, very encouraging as well, right? Do I need God to work? I need to speak in agreement with his word in my life. Look at, so here's the thing. How do we stop the flood? How do we stop the flood when it comes into our lives? And it's simply this. Isaiah 59, 19 says this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, that's how he shows up sometimes. He wants to take over. Destruction, chaos, carry you away. When he comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Can I tell you what that standard is? This right here. God's word is the only standard that can defeat or withstand or survive flood water spiritually. It's only this. And this is why Jesus said, a foolish man built his house in the sand. He lived, built his life 
on passing words. He built his life on man's words, on man's principles. And guess what? When the enemy came in like a flood, there was no standard to hold him up. But when I submit myself to this book and realize it's more than a book, when I realize that I can consume this, I can put this into practice, and when I do that, I have victory through the flood. Does it mean the flood will never come? Can I tell you the flood is coming? If it's not already in your life, it hasn't already come in your life, there will be flood season in your life. That's what Jesus said. But you will have an answer to get you through to the other side because of this. It's so much more than a book. Let me encourage you with the second point today is this, living water. There's flood water, which we gotta be careful of, right? The, the enemy will flood your life. He wants to carry you away. There is a way for you to flood your own life. But the encouraging thing is this. There is living water. And Jesus wants to fill us with living water. Let me show you where we get this from. It's in John chapter 4. And as we read this story, remember what I said to begin with. This is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. Someone who is not following Jesus has trouble even understanding how you live your life when you submit to this. They have trouble even understanding your perspective when you submit to this. Let me show you. You'll see it in this conversation right here. John 4, starting in verse 7. It said, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask of me to, for a drink, a, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. This is blatant racism in, in Jesus' day. This is what this was. Let's move on. And, and, and verse 10. So Jesus is breaking through racism at this point. We can see it in his life. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. He's speaking what? Spiritually to her. Okay? Look at her response. The woman said to him, sir, <laughs> you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then did you get that living water? She, she missed it, right? Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you some living water. And she says, you ain't got no bucket. <laughs> That's all there is to it. This is what it's like when you talk with people who are unbelievers. Your perspective can be God's perspective, so don't get frustrated or upset or surprised at them when it goes over their head sometimes. They don't understand how you can have joy in crisis. They don't understand how you can have peace when all hell's breaking loose around you. They don't understand how you can have self-control when that customer treated you that way or when that happened in traffic this morning. How? They can't even understand the perspective that you have. They miss it. But you can have the perspective of God. It's a spiritual book for spiritual beings. Let's continue on here. Where did you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus, you know, subtly, uh, yeah, I am. Here he goes, verse 13. Jesus answered, he said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This is what he's talking about. He's saying, the water that I give, it doesn't mean that you're never going to physically thirst. He said, you're going to thirst again. But spiritually, you will not be thirsty for the things of this world. Spiritually, you're not going to be thirsty for what the world has to offer. You're not going to be craving something else to satisfy you. 
the promotion, the likes on follows on, on, on Instagram, the, the, the approval of that, that uh, parent or whoever it might be. You won't be craving those things to live your life. He says, you will never thirst again, meaning you're not gonna crave that stuff because I will satisfy you spiritually. I don't know about you, but that's good news. That means I don't have to strive to impress humans. I am living my life so that someday when I see Jesus face to face, he looks at me and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's the only thing I need to strive for. And when I strive that way, I impact more people than I ever could on my own. We see this though. What, what, is, a, what is a fountain, that, that living water, what does it do? It wants to wash us from the inside out. It cleanses us from the inside out. Let me show you. This is why in Ephesians 5, when there is a, a command for husbands, and husbands today, hey, if you're not paying attention, listen up right now. Or boyfriends, whoever it is, listen right now. Listen to this. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her that he might, look at this, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. What's my job as a husband? Spiritually, I have a job as leader of my home. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That means this, outside of even serving, your job is to what? Serve your wife in, even unto death. How much did Christ love the church? I will serve even unto death. That's my job. But not just that. You should be speaking God's word over her daily. So husbands, right now, you need to take account of your, your daily time in God's word. How much of your daily time is speaking God's word over your spouse? Because if you're not, if you don't have time in that, you're not doing your job. Husbands, that's our job. You want to love your wife well? Speak life over her. Speak life over her. Your marriage in a tough spot? Speak life. You feel frustrated with each other? Speak life. And in doing so, what do we do? We're sanctifying the other, cleansing her with the washing of the water. What? Not physical water, by the word. It's not difficult. But when we do our job, God can do his job. Here's what this means, even for us personally, and, and, and women for you personally as well. Our spirits are cleansed by the blood of Christ. But our souls, our mind, will, and emotions, our souls are cleansed by the word. Okay? Our spirits are cleansed by the blood of Christ. Our souls, mind, will, and emotions, is cleansed by this, this thing. I like to say it this way. Our spirit was made brand new at salvation, Brand new spirit, I don't have to get resaved and resaved and resaved. And when I walk with God, I, I'm made brand new at the moment of salvation, okay? But my flesh, my mind has to be renewed every day. That's why it says, renew your mind. That means I make my mind brand new every day by taking in God's word. That's how I have the mind of Christ. My spirit's made brand new at salvation, but every day I must renew my mind. So if you're having trouble, with thoughts of bitterness, thoughts of lust, depression, fear, thoughts of greed. Maybe it's because you're not washing with the word. Am I washing? It's basically, you can put it like this. Uh, 
Pastor Robert Morris, who I listen to quite a bit, he said it this way, you're not taking a spiritual bath. Okay, I don't, I don't wanna be weird in church, okay, but you need to take a bath, okay? <laughs> a, a shower's a good thing. And all the wives said, amen, somebody, right? Like a shower's a good thing. You need to wash your stinky self, right? Men, like you, you, it's a good thing. You need to do it spiritually too. How long can you go, even in the natural, without taking a, a bath or a shower? Not as long as you think you can, okay? Whatever thing you thought of just then, oh, a day or two, no, you can't, okay? Not as long as you think you can, why? When you skip a shower, you skip a bath, you skip a day, who notices first? You, other people. <laughs> who notices your stink first? Other people. Who not- when I'm working in the yard, I come in, I don't, I don't think I smell. My wife tells me lovingly, hey, you need to go take a shower, okay? Like, go take a shower. Why? Because she loves me. She wants me to smell good. It's the same way spiritually. The longer you go without getting in and allowing that fountain of spiritual water to cleanse you daily, the more spiritually you will begin to stink. And who will notice? The people around you. Your family your friends, your coworkers, the people that God has called you to represent him well to will notice first. I gotta take a bath. I gotta take a spiritual bath. Let me leave you with this verse here. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Man, that is good right there. There, Look at the, the beginning of this, though. Blessed is the man who does not walk, stand, or sit. You see there's a progression, a progression there? We're called to minister to people who are far from God, but not at the expense of them bringing us down or pulling us down to their level where we live and look just like them. You're called to go with people, but your closest group of friends need to be people that are iron sharpening iron. Doesn't mean you don't love people that are far from God. No, that would be contradictory to what Jesus said. But he gives us a stern warning here. Blessed the man who does not I'm walk, and after a while, I walk with you long enough, I'm going to stand with you. And after a while, if I, we stand long enough, we're going to sit down together. And at that point, I've gotten myself outside of the path of what Jesus has for me. He says that when you do, when you do what this verse says, when we consume God's word, meditate on it, God prospers everything we put our hand to. Does that mean I got five million tomorrow in the bank account? No, the original, the, the, the Old Testament definition of prosper, hear me in this, is this. Prosper, the biblical definition in the Old Testament means this, to physically get behind someone who is carrying a burden up a hill and to push them. That's a little different than how we think prosper, right? To get behind and to push, what? To help. Or the other option is this, to take the burden from them and carry it themselves. You see how good God's word is? Because we think in our small human American mind, we think prosper and we think a million dollars. 
but God thinks prosper and he thinks to the root of the issue. What's the burden you're carrying? Why are you pushing that burden? If you'll do what I've asked you to do, I'll get behind you and guess what? I'm gonna help you. We'll get through this. Better yet, Jesus is saying, I wanna prosper you by taking that burden. How good is our God? He said, don't carry it. Don't don't go at it alone. He said, I got you. If we'll consume God's word, we will meditate on it. And by doing so, we are planted by rivers of spiritual living water whose leaf never withers. Whatever I put my hand to, it will prosper. When we take time to consume the spiritual water of God's word every day, we're washing and cleansing ourselves from the inside out and we're setting ourselves up for success spiritually. So here's the, let me just wrap up with this right here. The Bible is so much more than a book. Hopefully you know that by now. We're gonna talk about this for, for several weeks. So much more than a book. It is living spiritual water to us. Beware of the flood waters. Your enemy wants to flood your life and carry you away. Watch your words because you can flood and drown your own life. But Jesus has spiritual living water for us that has potential to do the miraculous things in our lives. But we must be intentional to let it go to work. We must be intentional to let it go to work. Here's the reflection questions and the action step. It's on your note-taking cards. Let me just give you the action step. This is basically the action step probably for every message in this series is this. I'm gonna challenge you, challenge us as a church, read one chapter of this book every day and meditate on one of those verses. Meaning this, write it down, take a picture of it, put it in your notes in your phone, look at it, read it several times that day. What's the verse? Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. What's the verse you're showing me today? What's my word for today? And by doing so, we're doing what Psalm 1 said. We're meditating, we're consuming, We can be planted and we can be prosperous, even greater than how we think of prosperous. We can be free from the burdens that would try to hold us back. Our God's good, amen? Man, he loves us. He wants to partner with us. Let's do our part and let's watch him do his. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. You are good and you do good. Lord, your word is powerful. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it goes to work in us and it goes to work through us. And Heavenly Father, I just pray and I declare that as we consume your word, as we drink in that living water this week, I pray that it would refresh us, that it would cleanse us, that it would renew our mind. And Lord, this week, I thank you that we're not walking around thirsty for other things in this life. We are satisfied spiritually and we walk in agreement with your word and we prosper. Everything we put our hand to, it prospers. It has your favor on it. It has your blessing on it, has your wisdom on it. And Lord, I thank you that as we go, we don't take credit for any of it, but we glorify you and say, look what God has done because of the power of your word. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.